Welcome to the seventh and final podcast in this Journeys to Treasury series for 2021. I'm Helen Sanders, and today I'm delighted to be joined by the four Journeys to Treasury partners to reflect on the rich and diverse series of topics and observations that we've covered in our recent podcast series. So I'm going to ask our panel to introduce themselves. Thank you very much, Helen, and it's a pleasure to be with you again. Um, and my name is Jan Dierk van Beuzekom, and I am uh, working for BNP Paribas and uh, one of the founders and sponsors uh, all along the, the series and, uh, and the, the, the consecutive years of publication of Journeys to Treasury. Thank you, Anne Dirk. Didier. Hi, hi everyone. Uh, Didier van de Noot speaking. Uh, representing PwC and in charge of the Global Banking and Cash Management Network. Also, I've been there since the infancy of uh, GTT and very glad to be here today with the four partners. Thank you, Didier. And Christian? Hello and welcome from my side as well. Um, my name is Christian Mnich, heading up a solution management and go-to-market for treasury and working capital solutions at SAP, located here in Germany, out of Waldorf. And I'm also very proud uh, being part of the journeys of treasury projects since the beginning. And yeah, I'm looking forward to today's discussions. Thanks, Christian. And finally, Francois. Hello, my name is Francois Masquelier. I'm the Vice Chair of uh, EACT, the European Association of Corporate Treasurers. And I will try as a participant to this uh, uh, webinar to give the, uh, the voice or to represent the voice of the corporate treasurers. Thank you. So we've tackled six topics so far this year, ranging from digital payments to ESG, based largely on the findings of the EACT survey that was done earlier this year. With the benefit of hindsight, have these been the right priorities that treasurers have been focused on this year? Francois, perhaps I could come to you. Yeah, uh, the 2021 EACT survey, uh, this has become a, a, a yearly uh, tradition, attempts uh, early this year, uh, around April, to determine what are the trends uh, uh, in treasury and the priorities for multinational companies. We have surveyed 350 companies and what will be the priorities for the next 12 to uh, 24 months. This year, not uh, surprisingly, future cash flow forecasting is number one largely ahead of, of, of the others, followed by digitization, slightly, uh, let's say, better ranked compared to last year, uh, digitization of the treasury function, of course, uh, followed by the financial risk management, mainly FX management, and followed by a few priorities at a rather equal level, such as uh, treasury organization, treasury technology, working capital requirement, financing, and bank uh, banking relationship management. What we have tried to cover in the uh, uh, coming uh, journey to treasury is all these topics identified by the survey. We notice the growing ranking of digitization, as I mentioned, which become a key lever for uh, enhancing the treasury organization, efficiency, and mitigate risk of frauds and errors. Thank you. And Jan Dirk, anything you would add to that? Um, yes, I think uh, we've seen the developments in the past months and other surveys and the EACT survey underline the importance of the, of the subjects we've chosen. 
for this year's podcast series and Journeys to Treasury publication, which will be in September 2021. Um, we've had many expert speakers and corporate treasurers giving their views and practical advices. In, I think, uh, in, in operational treasury and risk management to a certain extent, there are four questions a treasurer must address daily. How and where will I collect receivables? And how and when will they be credited? Do I know I have been paid? Or in other words, do I get a timely and correct reporting? Once the cash is in the company, how can I use it most efficiently? Do I need additional funding or do I have cash to invest? Finally, how, where and when will we make our own payments? So many developments discussed in the podcast articles published fall in these categories and uh, so the short answer to your question is yes <laughs> great thank you so christian you've been involved in a number of these podcasts um on behalf of sap what have your key takeaways from these podcasts been yeah thank you for that question so i, I can only agree to the, to the points that have been nicely already described by francois and jan dirk um i think what what remains key and what is really interesting also also being part of the treasury community is the fact that it remains a very interesting business area with tons of innovations continuing the impact of um, treasurers today's life and maybe also what will happen tomorrow. I think that's in particular, and we have that discussed for a while, driven by further digitization technology, but what became a new aspect in particular over 2020 and 2021 was maybe also um, the potential of new working models. Many organizations were faced with, with new challenges around COVID and the impact of you know, how to deal with your treasury operations. And at the same time, the broader information of data and what it can bring to the table. And, and this is a, a very important point that leads us to, to number three, I would like to mention. Treasury has shown to be, again, a key contributor to steer a business through a crisis. And this is based on information from various um, sources, channels, stakeholders, the ecosystem. Collaboration remains a very important topic and becomes even more important in, in particular when we look along these major business processes that we are driving, record to report, order to cash, lead to cash, and so on and so forth. And it remains very relevant. So I think that's also a good sign for interested talents when they figure out what might be the right uh, choice um, for their business career. I think treasury is really a very interesting area. Great, thank you, Christian. And you mentioned the crisis and inevitably the COVID-19 crisis has continued to cast a shadow over all of our lives. Treasury, though, has once again stepped up and leading not only to short-term change in the business, but more profound transformation, particularly around digital, as we've mentioned already. Didier, what are your observations? Yeah, I think what I've seen during the crisis is that uh, Treasury in particular had to stay very close to the business. Um, and in fact, they had to reinforce or even build new bridges across the organization. And I think the value they brought to the organization has become extremely apparent. In fact, what we could say is that they've been the protector of cash and working capital for the group during the pandemic. And I think the value um, for corporate treasury can even increase further in the future. And you can see that invent investors and companies are focusing more and more on cash flow and working capital. 
And let's just take, you mentioned, Francois, early on that cash flow forecast remains a very, very important topic. But if we look at today's situation, there are still a lot of corporates struggling with cash flow forecasting. Now, the corporate treasurers have the mandate, they have the environment to enforce a proper cash flow forecast to be put in place. And it's not always about data or systems, but it's just also about cultural change within the organization. So I think they're going to bring even further value into the organization. So in short, we could say that treasurers have a tremendous opportunity to expand their influence. And I would say they should definitely not miss that opportunity. Great. Thank you. And Francois, anything you would add to what Didier has just discussed? Yeah, first, I completely agree. But but I think what is quite interesting is to, to consider the Treasury. It's a perfect laboratory for for uh, for finance and, and for the digital transformation we are all talking about. Because we use a lot of IT solution already. And given the importance and risk related to our operation, and we've mentioned some, I guess Treasury seems to be the perfect lab for innovation and digitization. There is a huge headroom in general, uh, in our organization to improve performances and scope. And we can generate additional value, what is quite quite interesting. So we, we could remove the silo approach because usually we work with uh, silos in, in finance and change the perception of treasury within the finance department. However, treasurers uh, need a more agile and open-minded um, mindset, sorry, but also to, uh, it's, uh, it's quite important to, to, to recruit uh, the new skills we need for the future because we need uh, to have different skills given the different scope and the digitization of our uh, function. Um, and, and I think that uh, initiative like uh, a journey to treasury help our members of AACT, our treasurers, to determine their roadmap and to find interesting case studies of peers. It is, it is an inspiring uh, document year on year, which also reflects the trends in treasuries. And I hope uh, our members will appreciate it as I did. I'm absolutely sure they will. Um, so we've talked about digital mindset, you've talked about skills. From a practical point of view, Jan Dirk, perhaps I could come to you. What's your advice to treasurers on how best to leverage some of these digital opportunities? Yes, I, the, um, I think the, the main concern with uh, digitalization for most corporate treasurers is, is the following. Um, it all looks very promising, but how do I start? Who do I speak to? Who do I partner with? Do we have the right skill set and scope in Treasury? And the first step is to, to analyze your processes and find the weak spots and links. Find an experienced and trustworthy party, partner with a relevant network, part of your finance community, be it a technology provider, treasury association, consultant or bank. Um, start small, identify low-hanging fruit and apply new technologies such as APIs, artificial intelligence and robotic process automation to digitalize processes, make them self-learning and turn large data into value-add information. Include anti-fraud measurement, cybersecurity and ESG goals in your activities and objectives. Update your business continuity plan, perform scenario analysis stress test and foremost, enjoy your time in the spotlight within your corporate. <laughs> Thank you, Yandek. That's great advice. And that echoes obviously what we heard from Didier earlier as well. Uh, Francois, anything you would add to what Yandek has just said? 
yeah, just to 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 consider that uh, COVID, uh, despite the crisis, uh, it's also an opportunity. So, every crisis, uh, uh, by the way, and it was a case for uh, with, with a former crisis, is an opportunity to revamp uh, our processes for uh, for proactive uh, treasurer and CFOs to regain control on their financial uh, operation and visibility on equities. What is quite important, as mentioned by, by Didier, it requires to keep digitizing uh, to optimize the treasury management. And we have a lot of room, as I mentioned. So the objective is to make decisions faster, to reduce uh, working capital needs, to enhance net liquidity, let's say, uh, uh, position, and get a, a clearer view on, on where we need to go and what we need to go uh, uh, to go there and to achieve our results. The vision inevitably drives towards cost reduction automation, secure, securing uh, processes, and accelerating uh, access to key information or to key financial data. It also comes from the wish to measure and assess finance performance, as we would assess business performance. Viewing finance as a mean, a necessary evil, a service to operation, we often forget that finance and treasury are key and integrated part of the business and even can generate value to the business. Thank you, Francois. Inevitably, we're already looking ahead to 2022, which we all hope will start to resemble pre-pandemic days more closely. But what issues do you expect to be amongst Treasury's priorities in the year ahead? And Christian, can I come to you? Yes, of course. And, and, and thank you for that question. So what I would expect um, for the next couple of, of quarters that, that needs to happen is um, the fact that we are turned also a little bit more to reality. So while we have discussed in particular over the last two years, the possibilities that are available with um, digitization, automation, and maybe also uh, the way analytics may work, um, I would expect that in particular in 2022, uh, we'll turn that into results. Um, what I'm hearing from the clients we are working with is that in particular adopting those new technologies will take time. So for example, dealing with data and getting to the right results um, requires certain time and you know the volume of data needs to be interpreted, models need to train, you need to validate and stress test those models before you can really roll out the same. I think the community expects uh, in particular from those technologies results that are driving the value of the investments. Second to that, I would expect that in particular with the broader um, adoption of cloud technologies, that the topic of standardization again becomes important uh, to really allow seamless collaboration across the, the, the ecosystem, so to say. In particular, when I consider corporate to bank API, for example, in which uh, we are heavily involved from a discussion point of view with, with major uh, banks these days. So topics like the SWIFT corporate to bank API model gives me hope that now SWIFT again takes maybe a leadership role in orchestrating a, um, a new dimension of standardization to allow really seamless collaboration. And the last point is also very practical. While we have um, enabled the technology now to be ready for real time, I would also expect more use cases that are really taking advantage of the same. So those are the three areas I would like to highlight. Great. Thank you, Christian. And you mentioned real time and we've talked a, a, quite a lot about real time payments um, over the course of these podcasts. And we know there's a, there's a great deal happening from an industry point of view. Jan Dick, are there any particular industry developments on that side that you would highlight? 
Yeah, I will take it a little bit broader, but indeed I echo uh, what uh, what Christian had just has uh, has said and explained. But uh, for me, what is uh, what is developing currently in the industry is uh, indeed the advancement on the on the digital client journey, uh, the B two C innovative payments uh, coming to the B two B world. Uh, we see new business models, partly based on on shifting supply chains due to the pandemic. And maybe in the future also to the uh, to the G7 agreements on on taxation, uh, we see uh, direct to consumer, for instance, and also new services such as uh, digital onboarding, solving payment compliance issues online, and machine to machine payments. Um, payment methods are evolving quickly and offer many options for managing the cost, speed, and transparency of the final amount in. Foreign, in a foreign currency, for example. And we are convinced uh, the new normal will involve predetermined payments selection based on efficiency, cost, and security. This requires intelligence to orchestrate payments based on vendor data, offering Treasury Department seamless execution, just as if you were paying with a credit card. On one side, electronic invoicing is becoming a requirement for B2B payments in most European countries. It will be mandatory in France by 2023, for instance. And meanwhile, the European Payments Council request to pay scheme goes live this year, enabling the sending of structured messages to request payment and providing full control from the invoice and payment request to the execution. In B2C, an important development is the European Parliament Payment, sorry, the European Payment Initiative, bringing together over 30 banks to develop secure e-commerce payments and collections. Great, that's very comprehensive. Thank you. Now, over the coming years, the value of digital technologies is likely to increase further. But how do you expect these technologies, and in particular the way that we use them, to evolve further? And, and Christian, that's an obvious question for you. Yeah, happy to take that. So in terms of technology, we see really a shift from these heavy on-premise or basically, um, you know, on-premise oriented systems, which which are dominating an IT roadmap for a couple of years to a more modular and the hybrid approach. That means that customers can benefit from possibilities to plug in service-oriented architecture into their existing um, you know, system frameworks to benefit um, from solutions that meet their requirements while they can increase the adoption time. So we see that already in today's world with lots of API-based technologies that allow collaboration, for example, with corporates and banks, but also with fintechs, trading platform providers, and so on and so forth. So I think that will further evolve. And this will even continue if you consider the entire end-to-end um, -end chain of a business process. So, for example, connecting your e-commerce system with the ERP system, with the billing system, with the cash collection system to have a seamless experience and to benefit of the data flow that you have to take even more out of that. So, for example, understanding not only the way you collect your cash, but maybe also the buying behavior of your clients and what might be the next interest level for them. So this is certainly something then that is that is driving the, the agenda in, in, in today's um, IT departments. At the same time, we see um, the importance of business networks, um, the collaboration between corporate banks, fintechs, and 
and maybe new business models that will evolve out of that. Yeah. So based on um, data-driven approaches in which, for example, um, service providers can tailor-made um, service offerings to their clients based on data that is shared on the platform. So those models will evolve further and will also drive new commercialization paths for the contributors in, in those platform-oriented business approaches. And I think what we are hearing also from our clients is that the expectation of running an IT project compared to the value they're getting out of that will accelerate. That means the expectation is that implementation times should decrease um, and at the same time they expect more out-of-the-box services, so to say. So this is what we are seeing from, from, from a high-level point of view and I think we will hopefully have time to further make deep dives in certain areas to discuss that, what it means for Treasury. Fantastic, thank you. We've talked a lot about technology, we've talked a lot about digitization, but Treasury's success won't be based on technology alone. So, Francois, obviously you've got um, many years now of, of corporate Treasury experience directly. So, how would you put some of these developments into context? I, I do agree. It's not only a technology play. So uh, running an efficient data-driven global treasury, it's not just a technology play, as often sought by, by, by treasurer. It's about leverage com community uh, intelligence and group-wide collaboration. And the problem is that information flows and visibility are still too slow uh, for organizations to respond to events like crisis that often have an immediate impact. So to avoid that, treasurer need to make uh, uh, sure event information flows faster than the impact. The spreadsheet-based decision-making simply cannot keep pace with current reality. Operation silos do not make sense when strength is obviously found in collaboration. Ideally, the effective connection of technology means enhancing of data sharing and can be achieved by, by connecting and by connection of people. If automation of workflow within a connected treasury infrastructure add enormous value uh, in terms of operational efficiency, then using this as a basis to deploy artificial intelligence and machine learning capacity to take data interpretation to the next level. Therefore, technology is an enabler, but not enough, I guess. Thank you. And to conclude, Didier, I'm going to come back to you and, and ask the cruelest question of all, of course. And, you know, what are your final reflections on the future of Treasury? Where, where are we going from here? Yeah, thanks, Helen. Uh, for me, I'd like to bring forward maybe three points. Uh, the first one is very clear. The Treasury digital journey is continuing with COVID. And in fact, it has been a catalyst or an accelerator for change. You can see that there is a, a clear requirement to make greater use of automation. And we mentioned also artificial intelligence, deliver Treasury on demand, go into real-time services. All of that is really continuing with the crisis. The second one, I've seen a lot of groups uh, going through a fundamental review of their business model with the COVID. And in particular, something which is striving to me is the move towards direct to consumer. You can see that with the crisis, a lot of corporates had to go into a different business model that has brought challenges, new cash flow pattern, and new instruments to be used. Now it is staying, it is working, it is staying. Corporate treasurers have to take that into account. And for a lot of them, it is new to them. And then last, but very important, the required skills and capabilities are changing. The virtual way of working is there to stay. And treasurers should really 
reimagine the way their organization will look like tomorrow and which skills will be required from their people. So in summary, it's fair to say we all, to a certain extent, suffered from the COVID crisis as people, but also the crisis has brought, again, the spotlight on treasurers. Lots of great opportunities for treasurers. It's no time to materialize them. Thank you, Didier. And although this is the last podcast in this series, it's certainly not the last of our publications for this year on www.journeystotreasury.com and on our LinkedIn page. We'll be continuing to provide content, whether that's podcasts, articles, and corporate testimonials, as well as the report itself, to keep you engaged with the Journeys to Treasury community. I'd like to thank our four Journeys to Treasury panelists today, Jan Dick from BNP Paribas, Didier, PwC, Christian from SAP, and Francois from the EACT. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>